You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. All right, well, let's get into the word. Father, we thank you. We give you all praise. We thank you for the entrance of your word gives light. Thank you because our lives will be illuminated. Thank you, Father, because our ears will open. Thank you because our hearts are fertile seeds, a fertile ground for the seeds of your word that will be sown this morning. Thank you because we will hear you concerning our current face, concerning our circumstance, concerning those niggling issues in our, in our situation and in our hearts. We thank you. Uh, have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Minister grace to every hearer, both in the room and online. Let your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, last week, for the benefit of those who weren't in service, we started a new teaching series. Who knows what our teaching series is? You know, so when you say money like that, eh, you know we have some people in the room that are still struggling to understand why the church needs to talk about money. So when you say money, don't, it, it sounds like, hmm, they have come again. So let's help them. What is our teaching series? Honest conversations about money. Yes, honest conversations about money. And it's important we qualify it because there's a lot of information about money. There's so much um, that we know already. There's so much we've heard already. But this entire month, we are having honest conversations. And they're honest because we're going into the scriptures to search God's view on wealth and abundance. That's it. Maybe we try to funkify it a bit by saying honest conversations about money, but fundamentally it is God's view, God's perspective on wealth and abundance. And just so you know, wealth isn't just money. So part of the honest conversations is to debunk certain myths that we have associated with wealth and money. All right, so last week we spoke about a covenant of abundance and we looked at four stages uh, well, four different um, categories that we can experience abundance. So we said abundance, or well, four statements. Yes, that's a better way to put it. Four statements undergirding abundance. First of all, we took a deep dive into how this whole covenant of abundance even came to be. And it came to be through the life of Abraham. And we have access. Uh, we are beneficiaries of that same covenant. We are participants in that covenant by reason of um, the access Jesus Christ gave us. Okay, so abundance is for all ages. Abundance is for all stages. Abundance is for all seasons. So whether you are in the winter season, or you are in, you're in the morning season, or in the night season of your life, or you're in the summer season where it seems like you're in a harvest, or you're in the seed time phase of life, abundance is for all seasons. It depends on how you are interpreting abundance. So sometimes we feel like um, the covenant of abundance is not at work or in force when we are in our night seasons. And that's not correct. That isn't correct. Because look at a, a Joseph, for example, you know, through the different phases of his life and his journey. We cannot say that he wasn't enjoying, he wasn't under that covenant or he wasn't, you know, benefiting of that covenant. So regardless of whatever phase or whatever season you are, We've also said abundance is for all locations too. So 
regardless of your age, it's not for you when you're old, you know, sometimes we expect that people are coming to a certain level of affluence and influence by reason of age. That is absolutely incorrect. From scripture and even from our lives, we see that a lot of the people who are having impact in society, um, who are doing great things, people that God is committing resources into their hands, um, they recognize that they are not supposed to be hoarders, okay? So I also was very clear last week to, to reference the fact that I would use the word abundance and the blessing interchangeably because there are benefits to the blessings that are evidenced as, you know, an abundant lifestyle. So um, you are blessed not to be a hoarder. You are blessed not to, you know, amass wealth. How, how they say that thing? You amass it, you can it, and then you sit on the can. You are blessed not to be a possessor. You are blessed to be a distributor. Hence why God would say to Abraham that I will bless you. You will be a blessing. And in you, through you, the families of the earth will be blessed. All right, so today, the topic for today is make room. Help me tell someone, make room. And I like it because it's an action word. So it's an action that we need to take. So tell them again very confidently, on behalf of God, tell them, it's time to make room. It's time to make room. It's time to make room. So I'll read from uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 to 29. Please join me. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said... See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. Every herb that yields, yields, seeds, sorry, yields seed, every tree whose fruit also yields seed. So we see God here very clearly saying to man, I have created you. And if you recall from our conversations last month, speaking about the master artist and the fact that he has made his creation. So the first man he created, he created him well. He looked at him and said it, he was good. He looked at him and, and he affirmed his work that he could see in the life of the man. And then not only did he make him well, he gave him a beautiful location. He gave him work, responsibility, you know. So here he's saying to him, I've also then provided for you all that you need for sustenance, everything that you need for sustenance. So I've given you herbs that yield seed. I've given you trees who will produce fruits that would also give seed. Now that says to us the concept of multiplicity, God instituted. Because when God, I mean, God already made the tree. So in the beginning, God did not make the um, fruits or the seeds and give to man to go and start planting to cultivate and build Eden. God set up Eden as a perfect location but he had embodied in the trees that he created fruits that had the capacity to also yield seeds and then by reason of those seeds you and I can plant and continue to have those trees remain in existence, have those fruits and those herbs you know continually just remain in existence so they keep multiplying 
We see how God instituted that from the onset. Now, move quickly to John chapter 12, verse 24. I hope you have your gadgets and your notes to, you know, take down scriptures that you would study in the course of the week. John 12, 24, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Here, Jesus was also speaking to the concept of sowing, the concept of a seed being put into the earth. Unfortunately, me and my props group could not put together the props we were trying to bear. I was going to bring potted plants and seeds and things like that and, just, and soil just to help us visualize this sermon as we, as we go along. But think about it. I'm sure that we all know everybody here must have done some sort of uh, biology, yeah, where you had to plant beans. Okay, sorry, if you studied abroad, you don't plant beans. But most Nigerian schools, they'll get you to plant beans in your early days. So I don't know what it was you guys did, but maybe you did some form of planting, some maize or whatever. You understand that one bean seed or one maize seed or one orange seed, when you put it into the earth, are you expecting to, re re to, to, to receive an orange? One orange? No. Has anybody ever wondered how one seed then has the capacity to multiply, become a tree that bears several fruits? This is what Jesus was speaking to here. That unless that grain of wheat, unless that seed falls to the ground. So if I have a bean seed or I have an orange seed and I put it here on this table here, yeah? And I took some flowers right? And I just put it around this podium, just decorated it, you know, and I sprayed some nice perfume. My bean seed or my orange seed is right smack in the middle of this podium here, and I'm just excited that I have seed. What will happen to the seed? Nothing, yeah? Nothing, exactly. Nothing will happen to that seed, because scripture here says, except it falls to the ground, and dies. Now, this scripture is actually very, I mean, it's very wide. There's so much we can take out of it. And in fact, the context that Jesus was using it here is a bit different from what we're applying it to here. But just go along with me because it's pretty much the same thinking behind it. As Christians, the tendency for us to feel like, well, um, abundance is materialistic, you know, God says, the love of money is the root of all evil, or scripture says, you know, and um, all of that stuff. Absolutely correct, because that's scripture. But then ask yourself, there's several scriptures that Jesus would emphasize the concept of, you know, these types of concepts, seed dying, us sowing and reaping a harvest. And when I'm saying sowing, I hope nobody here is thinking about money. Yeah? Just get your mind away from money for now. Because that's not what this is about. I'm reading another scripture again. Okay, yes, it's, the, it's another translation of that same scripture in John 12, 24. The Passion Translation. It says, let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest. So a single grain cannot be more than a single grain. Us as humans, with the capacity that God has 
deposited in us when he created us. Remember, there was something we also said last month that God's creative ability is residual or resided. It's, it's, it's in us. Not residual, it's in us. We have it, but how we utilize it is up to us. That means we are co-creators like God. Hence why it is foolishness for us to sit and say, God, give me a table. God, I'm praying for a table. Father, atushali bakasata ene ele eke a table. And you go on and on and on, and you spend time in prayer asking for a table. I mean, like, table, just in case somebody's wondering, is that, is that the Greek name or the Hebrew name of something deep? No, just a simply four-legged table. It might sound very mundane and silly because you feel like, well, I don't pray for a table. But I want to prove to you that there are things you pray for that sound like the table prayer. Because God has put in you the capacity to be able to create what you are asking for. He has provided the resources that you need. But we are waiting on him to give us the finished product. Let's continue. So just like the grain of wheat, which potentially um, can produce tons of wheat, so is the one life that God has given you. It has seeds inside, representing talents, abilities, and God also commands that same level of fruitfulness. So God would look at man that he created and he would say to man, be fruitful, that's the scripture we read first. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. God has also given the same fruitfulness mandates to the birds of the air, to the fishes of the sea, and all. But there's one thing that he didn't say to them, and it is that they should subdue earth. If anything, God gives that exclusive right to man and says, subdue, which means to subjugate, which means to take charge, which means to deploy the vast resources of the earth in service to God and to humanity. And then he will say to dominate it. God doesn't ask us to dominate each other. He asks us to dominate the earth, the things that he has created and everything in it, except man. So, fruitfulness is not possible without seedfulness. You cannot be fruitful except you have seed. And I'm here to prove to each and every person here and everyone online listening that you have seed. You carry seed. And I'm not talking about seed to procreate, to make babies. No. There are things that God has placed in you that he needs for it to come out in this season as you begin to prepare for 2022. Some of our seeds are lying dormant. Some of them have not been activated at all. In fact, some people are sitting here and I'm feeling like, how do you say that I have seed when I look at my life and it's not making sense? But you have seed, except you weren't created by God. And I know that you were. I don't know that there's another source that puts you here. But as long as you are created by God, he has put seed inside of you. Now, let's bring it closer home to us in church. When we think about seed, I mean, there's a group of us. And I'm, I would like to say us because I may have been there down that road too at some point in time in my journey with God until I became wiser. Where all we are doing is looking to God 
and it is great. Scripture speaks about, you know, the maidens looking up to God. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. That is absolutely fantastic. But remember the table conversation that I had earlier, or table analogy, where we look to God to provide everything. We, we hmm, let me say this clearly. God is our source, number one. Fundamentally, God is our source. But there is a way that we look to God and we affirm that scripture where Jesus would say that the children of the world are wiser than the children of light. Because the things that we are asking God for, he has already given to us. He has put within us, he has put around us. So there is seed within and there is seed around. But oftentimes, some of us as Christians look to God for seeds that he has already given to us. Hold on to that thought there as we go along. So God's original intent and instruction to man was fruitfulness. And God has woven fruitfulness into everything that we see, into plants. Everything that has life has the capacity to be fruitful. Hence why you will weed your garden today. And except you use, you know, you, you, you wage war against that, against those weeds by using maybe pesticides or chemicals and you change the soil or whatever, you make it difficult for, it, for, for them to grow again. Did you spring up anywhere? I mean, weeds are really irritating when you have a garden because they, they just show up. It's almost as if where there's fruitfulness, where else they see any greenery, they want to be there to partake of it. I'll talk about weeds later um, as we go along. So, Psalm 126 verse 5 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You have seeds inside of you that you need to sow. You need to put into the earth. So whether it is seeds within, it needs to be put to work. Whether it is seeds around, and I will speak about the, you know, what, what seeds around means. It needs to be activated, it needs to be put to work, it needs to be deployed uh, and put into use. So my prayer for us as we just go through this month is that our eyes are open to opportunities. Our eyes are open to recognize the seeds God has put within us and around us for our, you know, for, for, for living and for service. For living and for service. Because remember, you are not a possessor. You are not a hoarder. You are a distributor. Someone needs to say that. I am a distributor. I am a distributor of kingdom resources. I am a distributor of heaven's wealth. I am a faithful steward of heaven's resources. In Jesus' name, amen. So a seed is something that you have that you can deploy to create and realize economic value for abundance for the purpose of this teaching series. Money flows in the direction of value. We've always said that. Money will not go to the poorest parts of the world. Money will not go to the places where it's most needed. Otherwise, I mean, certain African countries, names I will not bother calling, should be rich, stinkingly rich, because they have a lot of need. In fact, Nigeria, we should be rich and we should not be in the kind of debt that we are in. So, knowing the journey, and let me just use, speak about Nigeria a bit, yeah? 
we all know the journey that we've undertaken over the years, over the decades, and everything that has been said about us from the mineral resources and the natural resources that we have. Some of the developed countries that exist, I sincerely apologize for this. Looks like we're having um, an electrical glitch. But please just follow me. Oh, praise God. Some of the challenges that we currently have and are nurturing in our nation today is not because we don't have seed. Nigeria has seed. Oh, a lot of seed from human capital to the natural resources, to the mineral resources that we have. What have we done with our seed is the question. Have we killed our seed? Are we eating our seed? Scripture says that God gives um, seed to the sower. He ministers seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Like our nation that is getting better because we cannot afford to, you know, counter our confessions concerning our nation. Are we eating our seed with the bread? Some of us cannot separate seed from bread. We can't recognize which one is bread, which one is seed. We are consuming both in the name of need. Let's go along. Your capacity to create value and scale will determine what you attract. Remember, money goes in the direction of value. When you are creating value, when you are solving problems, when God can look down and see that he can entrust you with resources and he knows that you will utilize them for the purpose for which he has given them to you, that through you, families of the earth will be blessed. That is when you know that you are creating value. And what does that look like in our day-to-day -day life? Let's start from where you are working. What are you known for? What problems are you solving in your current sphere of influence before you are asking God for more responsibility? In your industry, what problems have you identified? What challenges have you identified? What gaps have you seen? And you know that you have the capacity to be able to plug those gaps. What is keeping you up at night? Some of us need to pray for burdens because, you see, your life is so easy. And, I mean... It's hard to say that somebody's life is easy in Lagos, but we are covenant children. Your life is easy. You don't have anything you're worrying about. You don't have it. You need to borrow a burden. Just borrow burden. Just ask God, God, what's on your heart? Because me, I don't have anything on my heart. Maybe there are one or two people in here. And perhaps you feel like you don't know when God will answer. You can come and ask me. I can share burden with you. Some of the things I'm praying about that are keeping me up at night, I will give you one or two so that you can have something that is also keeping you up at night. But seriously, guys, in the place God has placed you, what value are you adding? Let's start from these little things. In your family, what value are you adding? You are the first, you are the second, or you are the last. What value are you adding to that family? Can they look and say that, yes, we thank God that you, are, you exist in this family. We thank God you exist in this community. Can your bosses give God thanks over you? When they are remembering the people that are helping them, you know, get by and thrive in their, in, in their responsibilities, can, they, can your name come to mind? Or you are just all about the pay. 30 days make a pay. Let's just get in there. Do the barest minimum. I'm not going to come and kill myself. 
My parents were civil servants. They did, 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 did. At the end of the day, high blood pressure finished them. And yet, at the end of the day, they had peanuts to show for it. And so you have proposed in your heart that your own, your story will not be like that. Your case is different. So you get in, do the barest minimum. They say, resume at eight, close at four. You resume at eight, you close at four. Your task for the day, you do. You never ask what's more. And I know it sounds really weird, like why would I be asking for more work? You never volunteer for opportunities in your organization. When they're looking for people, they're constituting teams, project teams. You are never the one that will raise your hand and say, I'm sure I can do this. I would like to be a part of this. It's just the barest minimum. And if you're in business too, you ask yourself, yes, your business is probably already solving a problem, but what more exists? What is the more to that business beyond just putting food on your table? How can that business scale such that you can help? I mean, unemployment rates in our country is ridiculously high. There are so many unemployed graduates, unemployed young people. Are you presenting your business before God as a tool to solve an unemployment, I mean, the unemployment issue? God, can you grant capacity and grace to, for us to scale this so that I can teach people this thing that I know so that they can also begin to, you know, build wealth for themselves so that families can be preserved. If all you're thinking right now and your planning for 2022 is just, in, it's, it's just introspecting or um, it's just you, yourself, and I, oh well, you, yourself, and you. Yeah, me, myself, and I, you, yourself, and you. If that is all, then this message is for you. Let's continue. So Robert Kiyosaki, I'm sure a lot of us know him, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yes. He, had, he wrote this book, developed this concept called Cash Flow Quadrant, where he talks about like four classes of um, humans that exist. So you have employees, well, for those who are earning you have employees, you have the self-employed, you have business owners, you have investors. And within these four categories, we're asking you today, where do you sit in there? So you're an employee. Do you think that is all there is to you? And I've met amazing people here at LifePoint who are doing amazing things. You know, by day they are lawyers, by weekend they are event planners, you know, putting joy on the faces of people. One of my very, very close friends went to secondary school, um, went to uni together, and we've, we stayed friends till now. She's a vice president at Morgan Stanley, but also runs a, you know, a big, thriving event planning business, event management business in the UK. I mean, like, she gets featured on TVs and magazines and stuff. And here you are, and she's got four kids, FYI. Here you are, still single. You are not married, and all that there is to you. It's just your 30 days make a pay. Let me do the barest minimum. <gasps> Lagos is so hard. I'm depressed. I'm sad. Traffic is killing me. I cannot come and kill myself. There is more to you. There is seed inside of you. Some of you have amazing public speaking potential that you're doing nothing about. For some of you, you know how to organize. You are in the detail, the fine print. It's your strength you're not doing anything with it. And, you know, sometimes I just feel like 
God is, and the angels just congregate sometimes. They converge and they are looking at us, praying. And God is like, this child, this child, I have brought opportunities your way. You know the painful thing is, some of us are doing those things for free right now. And we don't even recognize them as a strength. It's something like family parties, is you that they will call to come and plan. You are the one always planning family events every year. Christmas gatherings, people's birthdays in your family. And you don't think it's anything. It's not a strength that you have. Some of you are very analytical. You know, some of you are great with numbers. And yet, you are just sitting down in that your one profession because of you cannot come and kill yourself. When there are opportun- endless opportunities you can take advantage of, even digitally, where you can afford to be consulting for some firm in China or Singapore or somewhere and still be working your job, as long as they're not cheating your organization, shall, and using their hours for your side hustle. But I mean, this whole gig economy, it's a thing, it's real. And I hear, I sit with people sometimes and they're talking to me and I'm asking questions around, so what can you do? And they don't know. And in the course of them describing their life to me, I, I'm already saying, but this thing, you've, it has featured a few times in the conversation. It's something you want to take a look at. You want to exploit. Now, I know that we all cannot become entrepreneurs. That is true. Some of us need to be intrapreneurs. So we have ownership mindsets. We, we, we enable the vision of others. But that's also um, an opportunity there. Just in case you feel like I cannot go out and launch a venture on my own. I don't know how to take risks. I don't know how to just be depending on. But you can be in an organization and yet be an entrepreneur. You can consult for different entities in your spare time. What do you do with your weekends? Now that you don't have kids and you're not married just yet. And for those that are married, what more is there to you? Some of the things that you discover, you actually discover that when you do them for free for others, you build a profile, you build capacity. When you start to do things for free for people, it's not all about the money. It's the fact that you are adding value. You get fulfilled knowing that you are adding value to people, to businesses, to, to, to national issues, for example. You have an opportunity, a privilege to serve on a committee, and you're giving your barest minimum. So God wants you to make room. Please help me tell someone, God needs you to make room. As you begin to plan and strategize for the next year and maybe the next five years, God needs you to make room. He needs you to make room so that the, the seeds, because some of us have clogged our lives. We filled them with things that are not value adding. You are more concerned about your Friday night out, your club, clubbing, yeah, going to the clubs. And I'm not saying don't have fun. That's not what this message is about. By all means, have fun. You have to leave. Yes. Have fun, hang out with your friends. Have a good time. But your Friday night, you don't miss it. Nothing can creep in. You know when it says scope creep in project management? No, nothing can creep in to affect that Friday night. It's constant. You need to create some thinking time. Again, I said this thing last month. I'm saying this again. Create some thinking time. Create some thinking time where you're sitting and you're just self-assessing, what can I do? What, is, what more is there to me? I promise you the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He would open your eyes to see the things that are in it and align dormant. So, two reasons why people struggle with 
this concept of abundance or wealth creation. Number one is the fact that we lack the recognition of our seed. We are unable to identify seed. Um, Second Kings chapter 4, the story of the woman that Elisha would meet, the woman whose husband was a prophet. That one is an entire message, by the way. But the husband dies and leaves the family in huge debt. The debtors, uh, the creditors, the lenders have then come to take her children. Every time I read that, I mean, as a mother, my heart bleeds because I'm like, how bad, what kind of, in fact, it's scary. Because first of all, it's two things. You see, this woman was definitely not the type of woman that Elijah had. You know that rich woman that spoke to her husband, let's build a house for the prophet. That woman had influence and affluence. She had money. This other woman that Elisha had an encounter with, this widow, was definitely not like that. Because she wasn't earning. And that's something for the women here. If your future ambition, eh, your dream, is to just marry a rich man, you want to be provided for. That's all that you are aiming to. Just let me just marry. I want to be a kept woman. That's your life's ambition. May the Lord have mercy on you. Because that cannot be what God saw in your future and your destiny and planned for you. That cannot be it at all. Okay. This is family, right? Can I be real? Can I be real? Yeah? Everyone watching online, I want to apologize. We've been told that we have major electrical challenges. And so there's a high likelihood that you may not hear me with this. I will attempt to project and we will try and wrap up the service right away. Okay? So just in case it goes off. Thank you very much. And again, I sincerely apologize for this. All right. So she goes on and she says, your maidservant has nothing in the house. Because she goes to Elisha and says, guy, you have to help me, you prophet. Your fellow prophet died and left nothing. Well, I also, I think that's the part, this is me, I, well, I'm not adding to scripture, but I'm expanding it, you understand now, because when you read your Bible too, you should analyze. So this is the woman saying, well, I don't earn a living presently, I don't have much, I don't have anything, and Elisha would ask her, so what do you have? You cannot not have anything, there's got to be something, I said, I have nothing except my two sons, which... The creditors are coming to take. They are coming to take. You can imagine. They can't find anything else. They can't carry your TV. Maybe they've carried those. They've carried your... It's the children that are left that they're coming for. And then she says, well, I have this jar of oil. Go home. Note that scripture down. Second Kings um, 4, 2 to 7. Elisha then will say to her, you have something. Take that thing you have. Go and borrow vessels. Go and borrow vessels. Sometimes someone just needs to borrow us wisdom. That financial challenge that you're looking at, that lack, that situation of lack that you feel like is consuming you, you just need wisdom. Wisdom for it. It's not everything that is, as my Yoruba people would say, that means um, generational warfare or generational curses. It's not, it's not the witches and the wizards in your village that are operating all the time. Sometimes you just need wisdom. And I feel like sometimes God would permit us to get into such stringent situations where you, are, you, you don't have any choice. You know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. Some of us have become creative in hard seasons, hard times, the things that you did not think you could do. 
you were amazed at the kind of life that came out of you when you were in a hard place. So, this woman here went ahead, acted on the prophet's instruction, and we know how that story panned out. For the benefit of those who don't know, it is that she went ahead and sold the oil because the oil kept multiplying. I mean, she had, it, it was a divine intervention in that instance because the little she had, she acted on instruction. She obeyed the instruction she received and it multiplied that little. And it became a lot. She could pay the creditors and she could take care of her family. I feel like that woman probably was launched into the oil industry, oil and gas, ONG, something like that. Think about that. How does that apply to you? What is that thing that you currently have that you have disdained? That doesn't look like much. It doesn't look like it's enough. What is it? So, how do you identify your seeds? How? You need to sit with God. And you need to self-assess. A lot of us are very self-unaware. You can start by asking your bosses to do an assessment, to rate you. I know yesterday, this is not appraisal. This is, what do you think are my strengths? Then go and take a strengths assessment. There are several online. Understand what your strengths are. Ask your friends, ask your family members, what are the top three things? If you think about me, what comes to mind? At least start from there. And the, that's in addition to what the Holy Spirit will say to you. So, God does not send anyone out empty. Again, that is for someone seated here feeling like, I don't have much. God will not, he did not send you out empty. When he sent you the face of this earth, he put in you seeds. He put it within you and he has orchestrated seeds around you. You only just need to open your eyes to see. We have to move along because it's getting really hot. The devil hates seeds and is always contending with our seed, trying to kill them or to block them. He cannot create, he can only manipulate Okay, so sometimes these, the devil's attempts appears to be like, and I'll use the analogy, the agrarian um, space there, where you've planted your beautiful garden, your lush garden, and then there are weeds coming out. Sometimes these weeds are there, they are competing with the same nutrients that your seeds are competing for, you know. They want to get sunlight, they want to get um, whatever it is, yeah, sunlight, oxygen, and all the stuff that plants need to thrive are the very same things that weeds too need to thrive. Now, what do those weeds look like in our own life? In our lives, what do the weeds look like? What have you filled your life with that isn't giving you room for creativity and expression? What is the work that God did not give you that you are giving to yourself? That is taking time, taking occupying space, and not allowing you make room. What is that work? Some of you is man. Mm. This weather will not let us get there. Because I feel like some people just off shit. So let's just not go there. But some of you is man. They, you did not, God did not give you that assignment. You have just carried it on your head. And you are not thinking. You are not looking at value creation opportunities just swimming around you. It is well with you in Jesus' name. I want us to pray before we wrap up. Okay? So what are the examples of seed that we have? Obedience. Now remember what I started out with. Don't get fixated on the topic and think it's all about money. I'm not coming here to teach you how to become Shinzu money. What's that person called? Is it Shinzu? 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 Uh-huh. Shinzu? Shinzu? Whatever. That's not the point. I'm not teaching, coming here to teach you how to have 30 billion in your account. That's a great thing to have. Please, when you have the solution, I'd like to share with your pastor. But that's not it. 
Because scripture says that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That cannot be all you are about. Because guess what? You have the 30 billion in your account. Yeah, somebody has said amen. Receive it. It's okay. Everyone, if it comes, it comes. But what more? Some of us are call, calling it forth. What will you do with it? Damilola. What will you do with 30 billion? We don't have an answer just yet. We haven't processed it. You don't even know what are the opportunities that we bring the 30 billion. Some of us want to, I mean, we've had testimonies growing up. I was just going on the road and then I just saw one wallet. The Lord has done it and you come and dance and shake body in church. I believe in miracles, guys. I believe in miracles. Absolutely. See, this our Christian faith. There's a reason why it is called the Christian faith. Our journey is a journey of faith. But the God that we serve, he is... <laughs> Scripture says uh, he walked six days and he rested. Hmm? He works hard. Scripture says that he put seed in the herbs and the, and the trees that he created so that he doesn't have to go and be creating tree again. Imagine God has to be creating tree every time. He's smart. And we are like him. We are to be smart in our dealings, in our life, in our daily living. And we are to work hard. Let nobody tell you otherwise. That this Christian faith is just, see, there is the favor factor. And I am a beneficiary of the favor factor. A lot of the things that I've enjoyed in my life has not really been because of strength. strength or just feeling like I'm smart on my educational pedigree. It has been largely grace, grace and favor. And a lot of us in this room here, that is your experience. You feel like there are positions you have gotten to, there are connections and networks you've made that you know that you could not have strategized it by yourself. You could not have thought it through. You could not have divinely, uh, sorry, you could not have humanly arranged those meetings. But when it is meeting time, are you prepared? When God brings you in the presence of your destiny helper, what do you have to sell? What do you have to show forth? Is it still working? Oh, great. What do you have to show forth? How are you preparing yourself for the day of opportunity? We are just waiting for the opportunity to show up. God, send me destiny helper. How are we preparing? How are we posturing? All right, as we wrap up. So obedience, we see this modeled in the life of Abraham and Isaac. The seed of obedience. They sowed that seed. The Bible says that it was accounted to them for righteousness because they obeyed God. There's the seed of service, kindness, and being resourceful. Now it is a seed because when you look at the life of a Ruth, Ruth had nothing. She had nothing to her name. She had lost her husband, lost her father-in-law, lost her brother-in-laws. But she was kind. She was resourceful. She was willing to put herself aside and go take care of an old woman. She did not go to, you know, go back with her from, from Moab to, uh, where they go back to again? Is it Israel now? She did not go back with an agenda to go and remarry. Do you understand? She didn't. That wasn't her plan. But she was ready to serve. Some of us need to serve. 
And we don't understand that the face God has. It feels like, God, this is so hard. Why am I feeling so, you know, why, why is it, does it feel like I've not left this level? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord. And he will exalt you. He will lift you up. Follow through with the process that he's trying to take you through. Joseph did that. Joseph could have cut short his destiny by sleeping with Mrs. Potiphar. He could have. He could have very well justified himself. Some of us, okay, maybe that's not an appropriate example. But some of, some people could have possibly had to sleep with a boss to get a promotion. Why? Because you feel like I've been here for so long and yet nothing. So I'm going to take advantage of an opportunity. Or maybe something like that is being offered to you right now. Can I please encourage you? Don't. That is the devil. That is an imitation that will not last. It will not. And even if you do get that promotion, you will be miserable. Because as a covenant child, you have strayed from that covenant. There are very clear examples that undergird, uh, sorry, clear um, relationship requirements that undergird the covenant of abundance. So don't help God and don't cut short your journey. Don't cut short your process. So service, resourcefulness, kindness. Rebecca also watering Abraham's camels. She did not know that they have come to marry her. She was just doing her thing, being kind, being helpful. Some of us, we want to skim our way through. We want to skim our way into the guy's heart. We want to skim our way into to his family's heart. The mother-in-law will pick you out. <laughs> she will see through your schemes. Some of us too, guys, because guys are not exempted. You want to skim your way. You just be nice guy. Be doing this. I've heard stories, guys. For real. I've heard stories that bother me in this generation. Like, how do you package yourself and be someone that you are not for so long in a dating relationship? It's not even possible that you will not slip up one day. And they will see you for who you truly are. It just means that the girls too, ah, you have to be a woman of prayer. Your life cannot be ordinary. So that God will open your eyes and you will see, you know, wolves in sheep clothing. We need to move. Gifts, abilities, and products are also examples of seed. Scripture speaks about a man's gift, making way for him, making room for him. Okay? Then money. I'm coming to money, not in the sense that we understand it, but scripture speaks about he that scattereth, he that scatters will increase, but the one that withholds more than is necessary is tending to poverty. Again, you are not a hoarder, you are a distributor. Examples of seed, gratitude. I mean, imagine that. So gratitude is a seed. It is a seed that can be sown. Scripture says in Psalm 67 verses 5 to 6, speaks about us praising God and the earth yielding an increase for us. The second thing, and we'll end on this note, is the lack of recognition of space. Please let me tell someone, God needs you to make room. God needs you to make room. Everyone as a seed, but not everyone has space. Everyone has seed, but not everyone has space. If you see the story of um, the prophets, so they came to meet, the sons of the prophets came to meet Elisha in 2 Kings verses, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. 
They said, see now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. We see how Isaac will go on his journey. You know, just going through and seeing how he was literally being victimized as he went on his journey. And it was really tough for him to find um, room. He would unstop wells. They would come back and stop them. You know, he would build a well. They would take it over until he got to a place. In fact, during famine, there was famine and he was going to go to, to, there was famine in Gera and he was going to go to Egypt. And God said to him to stay in Gera, that he will sustain him. Some of us are making our decisions based on the current circumstances. We're not waiting to hear from God. You're making career decisions. You're making business decisions based on the things that are happening around you. You're making marriage decisions based on the things that you are feeling and seeing. There is more to your life than that. The life you've been called to live is spiritual. It needs obedience. It needs instruction and obedience to instruction. So, these guys struggled, but we see how God will settle them. I pray for you in the name of Jesus that from this month of November, you would enter into your Rehoboth. You would enter into that room, that space that God has made for you, that has your name on it. In your industry, in your place of influence, in the works of your hands, in your relationships, in the name of Jesus. And whoever is currently located in a wrong place, where you have gone to pitch your tent and God, that's not his plan for you. I pray for a realignment, a relocation for you. So whether you are in Nigeria, you're supposed to be in Canada. Whether you are in Canada and this is actually where you, the place of your profiting, I pray that God will relocate you. All right. So examples of spaces and then we'll pray. Platforms, whether digital or physical. Opportunities and open doors. Some people need to leverage social media in their business currently. You are doing a lot physically. You are having a, you're, you're, you're franchising and opening stores. You're not maximizing um, the digital space. You're not ma maximizing technology. And your excuse is that you don't know how to. You can borrow vessels, oh, guys. Remember, Elisha told him, go and borrow vessels. Somebody needs to borrow vessels in their business. See, would you rather be a 55% owner of a hundred billion? than a 100% owner of a 1 million or a 10 million. Yeah? Exactly. Some of us need to borrow vessels. In your business, where you currently are at, you need to find people who have what you need. People who are better skilled at certain things than you so that you can enjoy and maximize the benefits of the, of, of the relationship. Some is social capital, um, that's an example of space. So whether partnerships, like I mentioned, mentors, networking, colleagues, professional associations. Some of you have great bosses, but all the conversations you have with them is just, I've sent you the memo. I've submitted the something. You, you don't ask questions. You don't ask questions. You don't network. You don't, and I'm not a great networker, if there's any such word. But I know how to try and maximize relationships when I am opportuned to have them. What questions are you, are you ready to ask someone that you admire, a mentor? Sometimes you even need to just make cold calls. Don't assume that they would not always respond. You may just be pleasantly surprised that someone you're looking up to would respond to you. Uh, facilities and assets. What assets do you currently own? Remember that quadrant I spoke about earlier? Employee, 
self-employed business owner and an investor. As an employee, who says you cannot be an investor? Who says you have to stick in one quadrant? Who says that you can't be an investor? Who says that you cannot be self-employed on the weekends? Who says you cannot transition from being self-employed? Now, being self-employed and the difference between the self-employed quadrants and the business owner quadrants. See, I'm doing the thing. I see if I can actually see the quadrants in front of me here. But yeah, just follow. Is the fact that the business owner is expected to have systems and structure. Self-employed is that it's only you that can do the work. So if you're not available, the work doesn't get done. That's how we've interpreted it here. Who says that you cannot grow from that phase of being self-employed to becoming a business owner, having staff, having people you're pouring into, you know, scaling? All right. So obedience, fervent. Okay, one more space I want to talk about is two, actually, new territories and mental spaces to incubate great ideas. Obedience, fervent prayer, and Bible-based confessions are critical when entering and possessing spaces that God has given to us. Let's rise up and pray. Obedience. Prayer. Fervency in the place of prayer. Recognizing that this world, that this life that we've been called to live is, is war. Is war. The people that would expand the frontiers of the kingdom. People that would do great things for God. People who would make, and when I say great things for God, I hope nobody's thinking the greatest of things you can be is to be on this stage and be preaching. Absolutely not. People who will be relevant in the marketplace. Apostles in the marketplace. I mean, we always chuckle every time we say, we say that phrase. I was like, what does that even mean? But it's real. God hasn't called us to be light inside the church. He has called us to be light out there. Let your light so shine that men will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That is how we draw men to God. We shine our light through the works of our hands. People see God in us. Let us pray. And I want us to just speak to God and say very quickly, Lord, open my eyes to see the seeds that you have given to me. Open my eyes to see the seeds you have given to me. I ask that you would open my eyes to see. Help me recognize the seeds. Help me recognize the seeds. Let's start from there. Help me recognize the seeds. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Father, we ask that our eyes will be open to see clearly. And following the second point, that a lack of recognition of space is what is preventing us from maximizing this life um, of abundance, this covenant of abundance. I want someone to ask, Lord, space is useless without seed. So I've asked you for seed. I've asked to recognize seed. But I also need space. The same way seed too is useless without space. Because there's got to be room for you to plant your seed. So Lord, open my eyes to see the spaces. To see the, and we, I've said the things that spaces represent. From opportunities to platforms to new territories. For some it is mental space. Your mind is filled and clogged. You don't even have thinking capacity to incubate. The Spirit of God cannot even incubate new ideas into you because your mind is filled. So would you ask mental space, new territories, my Rehoboth, open my eyes to see. In the place you have called me to, help me understand uh, that space. Help me understand my place there in the name of Jesus. Scripture says he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Father, bring us into that place that has space. 
in our minds, in our families, in our industry, in our ministry, in business. Bring us to that place that has space. Bring us, we talk about blue ocean strategies. We're asking God, bring us into that place that has space. The place you have earmarked for us, that you've carved out for us, help us recognize it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lastly, I want someone here to pray. Lord, enlarge, help me enlarge the place of my tent, the place of my dwelling. Help me. Pray for enlargement. Pray for enlargement. As you begin a plan for 2022, would you declare, you know, the sons of the prophets will say, where we are is too small for us to dwell. We need to move. We need to move. We need to make room. Would you ask God to help you enlarge the place of your dwelling, your tent? That he would help you lengthen the measurements of your imagination and stretch out the boundaries of your mind. In the name of the Lord Jesus, would you declare this over yourself? I am expanding on all sides. The Lord is making room for me in my industry, in my family, in my mind, in the works of my hands, in business, in ministry. The measurements of my imagination are being lengthened. The boundaries of my mind are being stretched in the name of Jesus. And someone here needs to pray and just recommit their hearts to God and say, Lord, I'm asking you for help. I have tried to do this by myself, but it hasn't worked. I'm recommitting my journey to you. Help me, God. Help me find my way back to you. I come back today. I come back today just submitting to you, submitting to your lordship, submitting to your sovereignty. That I will not reduce my, my, my worth. I will not determine the worth of my life through the lenses of the world. Through the lenses of the systems of the world. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give you all praise. We thank you for the work that you are doing in us. Making us fit and useful for your kingdom and for your glory. Because we know that when you delight in us, we are in a better place. We are fulfilled. We are excited. We are not lacking in anything. So Lord, I thank you for each and every person on the sound of my voice. Thank you, Father, for sufficiency in all things. Thank you, Father, for new territories. Thank you for new ideas. I speak over every life here and I command every dormant ability, every dormant seed that has laid dormant over the years. I command you to come alive in the name of Jesus. I declare an activation of potentials that your children may not even have known that exists within them. Or things that they feel are not sufficient. They feel like it's, it's little, like that woman and the jar of oil. Father, I ask that you will put your hands in theirs. You will strengthen their hands. You will strengthen their hearts. That people need to take action in this season, Lord. You would instruct our hearts on what to do. We will not be confused. We enjoy clarity in the name of Jesus. We make precise decisions that lead to precise results as led by your spirit. There is no room for time wasting. And I pray for that person who has wasted time in the wrong business endeavor, who has wasted time. You have learned how not to. It is okay. I declare in the name of Jesus that the time that has been wasted will be restored in the name of Jesus. I pray for you 
that opportunities where people have missed out on opportunities for advancement and growth father you will have mercy as we draw close to the end of this year and prepare for 2022 that doors of opportunities will open up fresh for us in the name of jesus lord i thank you because your beauty and your glory will continually remain evident over our lives i speak over every heart here every troubled and anxious heart and I declare that ungodly thinking is no longer permitted in you. The way you have continued to see yourself small as a grasshopper, as one that is inconsequential, as one that does not have anything to offer. I declare that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes to see who you are in Christ. And you will begin to walk with this knowledge, this renewed knowledge. Your mind is renewed in the name of Jesus. I pray peace over families here over investments over our finances and i rebuke the devourer that father as we partner with you recognizing that all that we have has come from you i pray god that we are preserved and shielded in all of our ways in jesus name we have prayed it is well with you god bless you god keep you god cause his face to shine upon you as you go through this week your spiritual antenna is heightened to pick opportunities, to pick those signals of, uh, of opportunities, to recognize the doors that you need to walk through. That where the grace of God is not, where the presence of God is not, you will not be there in the name of Jesus. That you would make decisions that heaven has ratified in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you all praise. In Jesus' name, we have prayed and agreed. And the church says, Amen, Amen, Amen. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.